in October 2019, uh, just a month before the COVID-19 virus is thought to have emerged from Wuhan, China, there was a global health index uh, published that ranked the nations of the world according to how prepared they were for a possible pandemic. And the report found that many of the nations were poorly prepared. But at the top of the list, number one and number two, the best prepared countries in the world to handle a pandemic were the United States of America and the United Kingdom. Now, if you had turned those rankings upside down, it might be a more accurate representation of what actually occurred. Countries like Rwanda and Latvia and Vietnam did very well uh, compared to more developed countries. That same year, the Trump administration, that same month, in fact, published, or did not publish, they concluded a, uh, a study, a private study uh, of a tabletop exercise, a scenario of how they would respond if they were actually faced with such a pandemic. Uh, the scenario that they worked on was called the Crimson Contagion. Uh, it involved uh, various agencies of the federal government, states and territories and public health institutions and hospitals, and they all got together. The scenario was a traveler returns from China to Chicago. He has a dry cough. The next day, his son goes to a rock concert. Six months later, 565,000 Americans are dead. It's creepily prescient and similar to what actually occurred. And the tabletop exercise showed how the government would behave. Agencies not talking to each other, not knowing who, who was in charge. States in chaos, not knowing where to turn. Supply chains disrupted. Uh, the national storehouse uh, depleted of, of syringes, gowns, ventilators, masks. Uh, workplaces upset because people are working at home and they don't know how to put their jobs back together. Schools not sure whether they're going to open or close. All of these things were forecast by the Trump administration. And at every step along the way, the mistakes that were revealed by his own study took place. Now, every nation was bound to suffer from COVID-19. It was a disease that had no treatment, a disease that had no vaccine. Tens of thousands of Americans were bound to die, but perhaps not hundreds of thousands. America had at least three chances to put the brakes on the spread of this contagion. The first one took place on January the 3rd, 2020, when Robert Redfield, who was director of the Centers for Disease Control, called his counterpart in China, George Gao, to see what was going on with this new uh, pneumonia that was circulating in China at the time. Gao told him that this was not a human disease. It was not transmissible from person to person, which wasn't true. Chinese doctors knew that it was spreading in families. They knew it was spreading in their own hospitals. Doctors and nurses were contracting the disease from their patients. A few days later, Gao and Redfield talked again, and Gao broke down and cried. And he said, I think we're already too late. Redfield asked for permission for the United States, the CDC, to send a team to China to help out epidemiologists and virologists and find out what's actually going on. And Gao said that Chinese authorities would have to approve that mission, and that never happened. 
had the U.S. been able to get into China in that in early January, they would have found out that, of course, it was a human disease. But they would also have learned that it was transmissible through asymptomatic infection. In other words, people were getting getting the disease, but they weren't feeling the symptoms. They were infecting other people and they had no idea that they were sick in the first place. Had we known that the treatment of COVID-19 would have been entirely different. The second chance we had to stop the spread of the contagion was the test. The CDC was famous the world over for its efficiency uh, and expertise in, in making tests for diseases. And indeed, as soon as they got a sample of the virus, which they did not get until January 20th, because the Chinese authorities refused to send a sample. Uh, the first sample they got was when the first official state case arose in Washington state. And that's when the test began to be developed in January 20th. The CDC turned out the test in rapid fashion and sent it out to public health labs around the country. And those public health labs almost immediately discovered that it was full of false positives. We later learned, and it's hard for me to even believe this, but the people who developed the test at CDC knew when they sent it out the door that it was going to fail at least 30% of the time. The Food and Drug Administration asked when they would repair the test and, and Dr. Redfield said in a week, then he said in two weeks, and then he said he didn't know. And so the FDA sent a representative to Atlanta to see what was going on. And he found that in the same room where they were making the test, they were also processing swabs of people who had been infected with the virus. It was simple contamination. The solution was to take the test out of the CDC and put it into a private lab. But we never caught up to the three extra weeks it took to remedy the failed CDC test. Leadership played a crucial role in the way that nations around the world and individual states handled this pandemic. What happened in the United States uh, was in March of 2020, the governors of the 50 states were on a call with the President Trump, uh, who told them that uh, we're behind you, we support you in what you're doing. Uh, and then he began to lay out what that actually meant. As for masks and gowns, personal protective equipment, ventilators, that sort of thing, get it yourselves. Uh, we support you, but you should get it yourselves. The governors were aghast. They had no idea that there was not going to be a federal plan, uh, that it was up to them suddenly. And uh, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, told me she realized during the call that Michigan was out of personal protective equipment. They didn't have enough for the next shift, let alone next week. Uh, the governors were forced to compete against each other to acquire PPE. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York said it was like being on eBay. He would order 3 million masks from China and they would say, well, you were just outbid by California. And when supplies did arrive, they were sometimes seized by federal authorities. So governors took to hiding the equipment from the federals. Uh, it was a total chaotic mess, just as predicted by the Crimson Contagion exercise. One governor, Gina Raimondo of Rhode Island, had been promised uh, a shipment from the national storehouse, which was severely depleted. 
but they said that our truck was on its way. And indeed, it finally did arrive in Rhode Island. And when she got to the truck, it was empty. I think there is nothing more emblematic of the American response on the federal government uh, to the pandemic than that. I think one day we'll look back on COVID-19 through three different lenses. One is COVID-19 was a harbinger. It's not, not going to be the last pandemic we face. Just look at the diseases that have emerged since the turn of the century, since Ebola and SARS and MERS and West Nile and Zika and bird flu and Nipah, one after another, a cascade of dangerous diseases, many more dangerous than COVID-19. That is going to continue. And I see COVID-19 as a harbinger of those future diseases. Another way to look at COVID-19 is as an x-ray. We thought we were one society. It turned out we were not, we were another society. COVID-19 was like an x-ray that allowed us to see into our societies at the countries we really are. It's, it shows us all the broken places and it gives us the opportunity to mend them. And the final way I think that we can look back on COVID-19 is as a gift. COVID-19, if we can follow, if we can mend the places that were broken, will allow fresh thinking to take place, just as, as one comparison, the Black Plague, uh, the Black Death in Italy in the 14th century paved the way for the Renaissance. I'm not saying that we're going to have a Renaissance. I'm not saying, not really comparing COVID-19 to the scale of death that in the 14th century killed a third of Europe, but it did allow fresh thinking to take place. If we address the changes in our society that COVID-19 has shown us that we need to make, we will become stronger and more compassionate and more flexible societies. It's my hope that that's what we'll do. Thank you very much.